Welcome to another edition of the Finding Your Calling podcast. I'm Todd Wilson, the host, and today we're blessed to have with us Pete Richardson. Pete, great to have you. Thanks, Todd. It's great to be with you. Pete has been a friend for a number of years. I'm so thrilled to have him on with us today. Pete did my life plan a number of years ago, and it had such a profound impact on me, I just couldn't wait to get him on to talk about it. Let's just jump right in, Pete. If you would, this whole concept of life planning, tell us a little bit about your journey and your story, especially leading up to life planning. Yeah, so if you rewind my story back to the year 1992, I was the the fifth guy hired for this upstart nonprofit called Promise Keepers out of Boulder, Colorado. And we, I think as most people who were around in the 90s, know that that became really a movement, a movement that in hindsight and at the time we felt was sort of God-breathed, so to speak. And so I was on that that train moving very fast at a young age. I was 28 years old. And in the midst of that growth, the board of directors, what they were introduced to a man named Tom Patterson, a strategic facilitator in the world of organizations, businesses. And at that point in time, he was moving into some nonprofits. And he had a one-on-one sort of leadership development process called the life plan process that he conceived. And the board of directors at Promise Keepers was offering these two-day one-on-one conversations for the leadership. So my turn was up to go to visit with Tom. And at, and at that time, he lived in Palm Springs, California. And I remember we were moving so fast as a ministry back then I had two babies, and I'd been traveling a lot. I did not want to go to visit Tom. And in addition to that, I, in hindsight, I had a fear, like, what is this guy going to do to me? I'd just been promoted to vice president. I remember driving in Palm Springs, and I, he- I had one of those sort of whisper moments from the Lord. And what I discerned in my spirit was God telling me that he had something for me in these two days with Tom. And it it sort of opened my heart to receive rather than be in a tight-fisted mode. And so I met Tom for the first time when I pulled into his driveway, visited within that night before we had the two-day session, and had a sense of peace. And then for two days, Tom sort of did surgery on, on my life, my holistic life. And he validated me. He encouraged me. He took me through his life plan process. And that opened me up to a a completely different world of uh, guiding someone to self-discovery and truth. Well, there's not any one official definition of personal calling, Pete. What is your working definition of personal calling? Yeah, if I had to summarize it in the fewest, clearest words possible, I would say God's call on your life is what he, he created you to do. And if I had to expand on it, it's what he created you to be and do, because doing comes out of being. But it's I think of calling as God's invitation to you to go do something that you're not doing. And if you look at it scripturally, his voice intercepted people's day-to-day lives. At times, it was more than a, an invitation. It was a command. Oftentimes, the humans struggle to embrace that command and move forward through the fears, but in its, in its essence, I think, it's what God wants you to do with the time and the talents he's given you on earth, the side of death. How would you articulate your personal calling, Pete? My mom years ago, Todd, called me and she asked me the question, Peter, what is it that you do? 
I, my friends ask me what you do, and I don't know how to answer the question. And I said, Mom, tell them that your son is a map maker. I did that to sort of mess with her a little bit, and she was silent. She said, I don't get it. <laughs> and, and I said, Mom, I said, what I do is help people figure out where they are, where God wants them to go, and then we create maps on how to get there or how to move in that direction. So that's what I am. I'm a map maker. I help people figure out their God-created purpose in life and then encourage them and help them to go after it. Now, how does that calling play out in your life? It's, it's impacted everything, Todd, from certainly my vocational life. So in my Monday through Friday work week, every day I'm, I'm guiding people and helping them make so-called maps, whether it's with a company, a business, and their leadership team, and we're trying to get clarity on what the purpose is for that business and in its existence and essence and what the vision is and then what the core strategies are to go after it and to optimize it, or whether it's one-on-one with a leader in a life plan session, two-day life plan session, guiding them to their own self-discovery of truth and then building leverage and actionables around that so it but it even impacts my how i relate to my family how i help my kids who are both newly married navigate their lives forward helping them through turning points gain perspective and stay true to their own sense of calling so it's 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 changed everything the clarity of my calling is truly my north star that helps me move towards stay true to what God's called me to do and to leverage it through the seasons of life. Well, you've been doing life plans for over a decade now. How many have you done? Yeah, I, st- I lost count at 800, so and that was a couple of years ago. It's over 800. And, and so that what does that mean? It's since 2000 or since 1993, I've taken over 800 people through two-day one-on-one sessions. Well, tell us a little bit more about the Patterson life planning process, the two days. Yeah, so first of all, it's a it's a holistic view of someone's life. Most people come to me or call me because they're in some kind of vocational confusion or a sense of lostness or, or they're just not happy doing what they're doing with their life. But we, we certainly do look at their vocational life, but in the context of their personal life. And so we call these life domains. When I say holistic, we, we sort of look at life through five main perspectives and we call those life domains the first one is the personal life domain and that includes someone's relationship to the lord spiritually and their spiritual health it also includes their physical and intellectual and emotional health and and then the second life domain is their family life domain their marriage if they have if they're married and and if they're they have kids being a parent and then any relevant extended family relationships. The third domain is the vocational life domain, which in, includes uh, how their calling plays out and how they do work, whether it's work for pay or, or not for pay. It's still a vocational um, investment of their talents doing something. The fourth life domain is the, the church domain, their spiritual community and how they use their talents and their time and their investments to cultivate health in the body of Christ. And then the fifth domain is their community at large life domain. And that can be as relevant as their neighbors, 
their how they give back to their local community in some way or it can be even more of a global community especially in today's world with technology we can use our talents and and passions to make the world better in some way at large so five domains so we look at we look at someone's life holistically one of the things tom has imprinted deep into my thinking is this principle of get perspective before you plan and so we spend as much time as we need to gaining perspective and clarity before we plan anything and i think that's unique to his 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 strategic processes so out of two days we'll spend a day and a half getting perspective and then only then will we funnel all of that perspective into clarity points of calling and vision and life strategies and build actionables around that that's very I think healthy and what's what's um I love about the lifeline process is it's not it's not me or a consultant telling someone what they should do with their life it's simply sort of in the socratic style and then the jesus style of asking the right questions at the right time to create the right discovery we guide people to discover the truth of what god had in mind when he created them uniquely and what that means for them in this season of their life so i call myself a guide and not a consultant so we guide people to self discovery of truth and then we we build a real life plan that is not static it's not written stone and what i mean by that it becomes sort of a life plan management system that if embraced and if utilized um adapts with with time in the future we can't predict the future but we we've, we've been given the god-given creative right to create the future around boundaries and truths and so as this life plan is embraced and navigated forward it's constantly evolving and still staying true to the north star of calling but it's adapting in the seasons of life i'm 53 now when i did my first life plan i was 29 so life is it has to be leveraged differently my role still being true to my calling is different now in my 50s than it was in my 30s or 40s so that's a high level view of the life plan process two days one on one oftentimes the spouse of i i i focus my life plan work on men oftentimes their spouse is there with them for those two days so that they're a part of the conversation and they own the outcomes with them and there's good alignment in their marriage with uh, with the outcomes. But let me just make sure and clarify one thing for myself. Uh the process, this perspective before planning. So often in the West, our strategic planning process is to figure out where are we, where do we want to be, and then a plan to get there. What you're saying is unique about this process is part of defining where are we. It's completely informed by the story God's already written in our life previously. And it's such a significant thing that what you've said is a day and a half out of two days of life planning is committed to the perspective before planning. Yeah, that's right. So part of the perspective is how did I get to where I'm at? What's the backstory that's already in my own, in my personal history book? And what do I learn from that? I don't. There's a lot to glean from it, and that's where every life story is different. And so we spend a good half a day of that day and a half of perspective. mapping out someone's life story and then we can then we can analyze it. we can extract what is what are the themes and plot lines 
that God is writing and has written already in my backstory. And what are the themes and plot lines that are not a part of his desired story for my life? So we look at the good, bad, and ugly of that. We learn from it. And it's a part of the discovery process. And that's more, again, of a how did I get to where I'm at question that, that we go after. We also look at where am I really now? And we use different tools to gain clarity on that. We look at what are my God-given core talents, my three to five God-given core talents. That's a part of perspective. We look at, and here's the messier one, the heart side of how I'm wired and what's inside of me. And we're trying to get truth on what are those God-given desires and passions and even burdens for the world that God's put inside my soul, inside my heart. You know, Scripture talks about kind of two hearts pumping inside of us. One is the old man heart, and the other one's the new man heart. Ezekiel called one the heart of stone, the other one the heart of flesh. We want to tap into the God-created heart. If it's if we go to sort of the, the old man heart, the heart of stone, that's where the outcomes of a life plan can become very selfish. They can become very all about at, in the worst case scenarios, greedy, and it's all life's all about me and what I want. As a life plan guide and facilitator, I'm going after that God created heart because the heart points the way on where I should use my talents. So that's another significant part of discovery. We, we look at how someone is sort of hardwired in their thinking and in their personality as part of perspective. We look at the core values that God's put in someone's life that really frame how their conscience plays out in their uh, thinking and how they live and how they relate to other people. So all of these things are a part of that day and a half of perspective. Well, in my book, More, I introduced sort of three elements of a sweet spot, three questions that are at the heart of who are we created to be, what are we made to do, and where are we to do that? So often, Pete, books on calling, resources on calling come from a self-help perspective that's maybe a little more focused on the do question. Talk a little bit, if you would, on your perspective on those questions. Yeah, so I, th- I think you're right on in your book, Todd, with starting with the B component. I call that sort of the Intel chip in our, if, if the metaphor is we're a computer, every computer has an Intel chip. You see Intel inside on the sticker on laptops. I think the, the desire from God for us as human beings, as his creations, is that our Intel chip would be defined by how he thinks and feels about us. So we call that in life planning our core, our core identity. And that's the B component in your model, which I love. If that's off, if how I really think and feel about myself is not aligned with how God thinks and feels about me, and I find with Christians, a lot of times, the if I were to ask, how does God really feel and think about you? There can be sort of the, the mental side that we know the answers in the Bible, but have those really seep deep into the soul. And am I operating out of a core identity that really does believe and impact how I think, live, and relate in my life? And is that aligned with God or not? So if there's a far, if there's a big gap between how God feels and thinks about me and how I really feel and think about myself, we've got to start there. I think that's out of that intel chip comes everything. 
how I relate to people, how I navigate life, how I make decisions, uh, how I respond to fear, how I take risks, how I follow God's calling. So we got to start with the, the B, as you say it. We call it the core identity. And then the, the do side of it, in life plan language, we call that our life purpose. Why do I exist? It's that existential reason for why God made me. And some, like Oz Guinness, as you reference in the book, they call that the common callings or the general callings that we all have. And so I dare not miss that as a man as I follow my unique calling. When I was in seminary decades ago, the, the word calling was a bad word because many of those kids had been raised by missionaries and pastors who one of my mentors called it the junior messiah complex. They were they saw dad go off to save the world and left mom home to raise them and they had this void of that bond with their father. So that's an example. So we, we have to embrace our common callings. And if I'm married, I need to learn the way of love towards my spouse. If I have kids, I need to learn the way of love with my kids. We're all called to follow Jesus and to be a disciple of his and learn how that plays out in our world and how we authentically live out that faith and call others and invite others to follow Jesus. So those are all sort of that in your language, the common calling. I've got to do that independent of specifically how I play out my unique calling. So on the go side, in my world, we create out of one's unique life calling. What are the applications and life strategies that I must do right now to move towards the direction God wants me to move? And how does that impact my personal domain, my family, my vocation, my church community? So all that to say, Todd, I think I think the B component's the right starting point. It's got to be nailed down, and that impacts and infiltrates into my my go my do and go. It's central. The whole B component's central. The surrender piece you mentioned surrender. We surrender is the pivot point in the life plan process. I think it's if I were to encourage anybody who's struggling with embracing their calling. They're probably up against a surrender moment. And Jesus said, if you want to live, you must die. Paul says, if you want to be free, you must surrender. And I think surrender is, it can be an event, but it's a way of life. And it's its sort of an open-handed view towards life that says, everything I have and have been entrusted with and everything God has invited and called me to, it's all his anyway. Why would I want to hang on to it and try to control things that I'm not designed to control? And bizarrely, when we deeply in our own spirit begin to open-handedly release those back to the Lord, we experience breakthrough and we bust through fear and we, we go down the pathway of following the North Star of our calling more than we ever have before. And I could give you multiple stories, surrender stories, where People had discovered their calling, but they hadn't surrendered to it. And once they surrendered to it, they made they accelerated towards it and began to really live it and experience it. Well, Pete, those are really good words. Uh, if someone wants to get more information on the on the Patterson life planning process, what should they do? The simplest way is just to go to PattersonCenter.com with one T. We always say that PattersonCenter.com. Great. Well, thank you, Pete. Thank you, Todd. Thanks for having me.